Hi, I'm Arnie, and welcome to this week's podcast, which is, I hope, one of the most important ones I'm going to do, since it contains what I think, after 30 years, are the top five secrets to success. Yep, that's right, you did hear me say top five. I thought this series was top ten. Well, I crave your indulgence this week, because I'm limiting this podcast to only five topics. But together they are, I believe, the formula for success in any walk of life, work or home. In my experience, any success will require all these five elements to be present. They don't in themselves guarantee success, but no success can happen without all five elements being present. So, here we go. The top five factors for success. Tip number one is belief. If you want to make a success of yourself, or out of something, then you absolutely must have self-belief, and, of course, belief in the product or service that you're offering. A belief won't in itself lead to success, but a lack of belief absolutely will guarantee failure. And it's crucial to understand this. A belief is some view you have about yourself, or your product, or the world. It's just an opinion. It's not a truth. It's not a fact. And yet, once you have this belief about yourself or something, it acts on you as if it were a truth. You're committed to it. Your belief becomes for you your truth. And of course, if it's a truth for you, then you have to think and behave in ways that make it a truth. That's the essence of what we call a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whatever we believe, we give ourselves permission to achieve. Because in order to maintain the belief as if it were a truth, we have to make it real. So, if I believe I'm clumsy, then I have to be clumsy. I have to knock into things, or knock things over, or drop things. Because that legitimizes or validates the belief. So, if you believe you lack confidence, then you have to act in a non-confident way to validate the belief. So that's true of all beliefs, many of which, like having no confidence, are very self-limiting. Here's an example. From time to time, someone will come to me at the end of one of my presentations and essentially say that they wished they had my kind of job. So I offer to spend some time with them there and then and share my experience and how I got started. And most then say, no thanks, I, I can't. I can't run my own business. I can't take the risk. And I look at them for a couple of seconds and then say, yep, you're right. And I move on. And they're a bit surprised by that. They usually come after me and grab my arm and pull me back and say something like, I didn't think you, being so positive, would say I couldn't. To which, of course, I reply, I didn't say it. You did. So why would anyone attempt to do anything they don't believe is possible, which is what I can't means. So the first step on the formula to success, and my first tip, is sort out your belief. Have a positive belief in your product, your service, your market, whatever, but above all, believe in yourself. So tip number two is commitment. You have to have a strong and powerful belief, which is a great start, but that alone won't get you very far. 
you also have to have a strong and powerful commitment to doing something about it, about putting your belief into action, about making it happen. And I'm deliberately using the term commitment rather than motivation, because whenever you're attempting something different or new, it's likely to be difficult or challenging at various times. So you're not always going to be woohoo motivated. Some of the things you will have to do will not in themselves be motivating. Working long hours, struggling with a tricky problem, making a tough decision. These things are not likely to float your boat, but you need to be committed to doing them nonetheless. So, the second decisive factor is commitment. If you say you'll do it, you'll do it. Whatever. That's commitment. It's this commitment that belongs entirely and solely to you that drives you through the difficult times, when the motivation has gone out of the window. A sense of personal pride is important, personal integrity, to honour your word, especially to yourself. That's commitment. A word of warning though, it doesn't mean being a perfectionist, it doesn't mean going over the top. You need to know when to stop, otherwise perfectionism can lead to being overcommitted and might in that sense be counterproductive. Know what success looks like for you and work towards that. Make your commitment really strong but realistic. So, tip number two, be committed. Tip number three is to do with skills or techniques. Okay, you have the required belief and the required commitment, but again, these two factors alone won't do. As a college lecturer for 10 years, I taught and assessed hundreds of students. And there were some, maybe perhaps many, who had a good strong belief in themselves and committed massive effort to the course, to their work, but still didn't achieve the results their hearts desired. And one of the main reasons for this was quite simply and bluntly a lack of skill, ability or technique. Their passion and commitment weren't enough. They needed to be skilled. They needed to know how to do it to the level required. And some people just didn't. And that's very sad. But talent, skill and technique is the third necessary ingredient. So for a period of time as a lecturer, I taught exam technique because at the time exams were very much part of the assessment. So exam technique was quite simply how to pass exams, what techniques were helpful. So in most things in life, in order to succeed and succeed well, you need technique. And this includes everyday things that most of us take for granted, like walking or using a knife and fork or tying shoelaces. You know, these are all techniques. And if you don't have them, then life is limiting. So simply, technique is knowing how to do something and doing it well. The better the technique, the better the chance of success. Remember, many successful people make success look easy because of the techniques they've learned and used. 
Think, for example, of top sportsmen and women, as skaters, or painters, plumbers, electricians, joiners, magicians, nurses. All of them will have learned and used, often to a sublime level, key skills and techniques. And here's one more thought on this tip. Techniques also include a strategy. I'm passionate about this. Strategy is the way of doing something that works well for you. Finding that right strategy can be crucial. And of course, persisting with a strategy that isn't going to work is dreadful. It's soul-destroying. You know, you've, you've got the passion, you've got the belief, you've got the commitment, but it's still not working. Well, it just could be that you're using the wrong strategy. And the strategy you use is, for me, one of the techniques. Many people I've met and worked with feel they are personally hopeless or inadequate, when in fact it's the strategy they are using that is hopeless and inadequate. It's not them. My younger son was struggling to learn his multiplication tables by rote learning at school. He was in his second month of working at them and, and was losing confidence in himself. I heard him say, it must be me. Oh, and that's a dreadful thing for your child to say. So I knew at the time he was interested in music, particularly at the time rap music. And so he knew most of the lyrics and would be singing them around the house and so here comes a cheese alert. I made him a wrap tape of his multiplication tables. And he had them all nailed within the week. So switching his strategy from rote learning to wrap learning worked. And worked very quickly. So strategy is for me a key part of technique. Whenever something isn't working, I tend to look first at strategy rather than the individual. So, my third tip is, learn and then master the key skills and techniques required, including strategy. Tip number four. This logically follows on from tip number three, and that is practice. You can use other words beginning with P if you prefer. Words like persistence or perseverance. But they all amount to the same thing, stickability. Doing it time and time and time again and again and again note firstly though that I'm making a distinction between technique and perseverance it's no good doing the same thing over over again with perseverance and with persistence if nothing is changing or improving if no new or better levels of skills or techniques are being developed that's simply a frustrating waste of time and effort Look, if I wanted to improve, say, as a soccer player, it would require more than just kicking a football ten, a hundred, a thousand times. It would require discovering, then using particular skills and techniques about kicking the football. So that each time I kicked the ball, with persistence, I would be improving through the improving technique. In essence, technique is, to me, the added value to persistence. Yes, you need to persist, to keep going, but you need to do so with the added value of improvement. And that's technique. So, tip number four, practice and persist, but do so with the added value of technique. And finally, tip 
Number five, ownership. You have to own or at least have access to and control all the things that will significantly affect your success. Now, clearly, you can't control everything that might affect success. If you're running an outdoor event, you can't control the weather, for example. But it's certainly true that the more of these variables you can control, the more likely you are to be successful. I think my favourite example of this is driving. You can believe you're able to drive. You can be committed to learning. You can acquire all the skills and techniques necessary and you can practice and practice and practice those techniques until you become competent enough to pass your test. Great. Then what? You need a car and money to pay for the insurance and for the fuel and so on. You need to have or ideally own that particular ingredient for success. The previous four things, belief, commitment, technique and practice, are great. But you also need to own or have access to the car, the resource you need. So the fifth factor is different from the other four in respect of this issue of ownership. The other four, belief, commitment, technique, practice, all of them are owned entirely by you. They stand or fall by your mentality and actions. It's your belief, it's your commitment, it's your technique and it's your practice. You own that lot. That's your stuff. But it isn't true of all the other things that make the difference. So you're going to have to work to get control and ownership of the things that also matter beyond the top four. The resources that make the difference. So tip five. Identify everything else that might determine whether you and your actions will be successful or not and bring as many of them as you can under your control. This doesn't make you a control freak. It makes you worldly wise, sensible, intelligent, organised. And as proof of that, only control the things that are critical and let go of the rest. So tip five, bring what you need under your control. So, I thought I'd summarise these five key factors for success as a mnemonic and as a story. The mnemonic is B-C-T-P-O. So make an effort to put that set of letters into your brain. B for belief, C for commitment, T for technique, P for practice and O for ownership. B-C-T-P-O. And now here's the story. I explained this BCTPO success formula to a group of students who then asked me if I could demonstrate it for myself. In other words, prove it. Well, of course, I took up the challenge. Together we discussed something that was clearly currently something I couldn't do, and we decided that that was juggling. So the students decided that I would be successful if I could juggle three balls through 60, six zero rotations without dropping a ball. Phew. They gave me three months to do that because we were due to meet again in three months time. So I learned how to juggle and consciously applied BCTPO at each stage. So 
Did I believe I could do it, eventually? Well, yes, of course I did. I wouldn't have taken it on otherwise, would I? I had the evidence that other people could do it, and I know I'm someone who's quite successful that once I've decided to do something, that I'll get on with it and do it. So yes, I had a good belief system for this. So a positive tick for belief. So secondly, was I committed? Yes, I was. I'd, I'd given my word to the students, and that means a lot to me. I didn't want to let myself or that group down. The biggest potential block to my commitment, as it often is for anyone learning something new, was time. But I knew I could find the time if I was committed. I think that's how life works. When you're committed, you find the time. Time, well, I've said this elsewhere in another podcast, time's really at our disposal. It's not the time that's a problem. It's our use of it. So yes, because I was committed, I was determined that I would find the time. So tick for commitment. Did I acquire any key skills or techniques? Well, absolutely. It's, it's just impossible to juggle unless you know how to do it and learn some of the key techniques. So I googled for some kind of guidance and help and I, in the end I worked out that there were two techniques that were really crucial for me. The first was to visualize a large picture frame floating in front of my eyes at eye level. And I would take each ball and toss from one hand to the top corner of the, of the frame, the other opposite top corner. So I would throw the right hand ball to the top left corner of the frame and the left hand ball to the top right corner of the frame. Using this visual device helped me create the appropriate arc for the ball as it travelled to make its journey stay in line and in my eyesight and be more easily caught by the other hand. So having a, a picture frame, literally a picture of a frame, helped me throw the ball from hand to hand in a sensible, helpful way. And my second technique was to practice in the bedroom. And what I mean by that is I would stand at the side of my bed and do the juggling. Because each time I dropped the ball, and believe me, <laughs> I dropped the ball loads of times, it just fell onto the soft surface of the bed. So it didn't roll away anywhere under the hard floor, onto the furniture and so on, and, and it meant it was quite easy to pick the ball up without bending down and hurting my back. So that was a real breakthrough technique for me. Do it in the bedroom alongside the bed. So did I have some good techniques? Yes, I did. Tick for techniques. So, did I practice? Well, yes I did. I did 15 minutes every day for three months. And guess what? Doing it for 15 minutes every day meant that I did get better and better and better. Practice makes perfect. And this practice included something that I did think about, and I was quite pleased about that, that I, I needed to do the practice, once I'd got reasonably good at it, in front of my family. Because I realised that doing it on my own in the bedroom was not the same as doing it on stage, as it were, in front of an audience. So I practised that too. Because I knew that I would have to do this in front of the student group. So when I actually turned up three months later and did it, 
I was familiar with being watched. So, I practiced not only the juggling, but I practiced exposure to the juggling. And, yep, tick in that box too. Did I practice? Yes, I did. So what about tip five? Ownership. Well, of course, I had to have the balls. So, that's it. B-C-T-P-O. Belief, commitment, technique, practice and ownership. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe. You will still get the podcast for free, but you will also get an alert to let you know when the next podcast is available. And please recommend the podcast to anyone else you think might like it and benefit from it. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review and any other comment, because they'll help promote the podcast series on the relevant platform. So, bye for now.